Hello everybody and welcome to the Sam's Report. Today is July 15th. We are just about exactly halfway through the month. Um, not quite, I guess, maybe at noon today here in about an hour or so. We will be because there are 31 days in this month. I only recognize that just because my birthday is on the 30th. So we are 15 days away from me turning, oh God, I'll be 31 this year. 31. But this was a kind of a crazy week. Uh, up in Toronto, WPC did some studio work here, which we'll talk about in a second. And yeah, so studio work, we'll just kick off with that. Um, Mike already commented in the comments that, the, hey, the picture looks a hell of a lot better this week. And so really what we changed or what I changed was the lighting. And so because I like IoT crap and I, you know, I can use a budget to get some stuff to, to play with my phone. I hooked all these lights up to the little uh, wireless on and off sensors. So for my phone here, if I turn all the lights off and I'm turning off a crap load of lights, you'll see the difference between good lighting and really crap lighting. So here we go. So you can see when it becomes dark, um, yeah, kind of shitty. So we turn them all back on. Once the kind of camera readjusts. And I'm learning as I'm going here, as I'm building out the studio, that lighting uh, lighting and audio quality are probably the two hardest things to maximize or to, to get perfect because there's a lot of things going on with the audio and lighting in itself is just kind of finicky. Um, last week, there were pretty bad shadows behind. I tried to minimize that this week with the extra lighting. But as you can see, good lighting uh, makes for a much better show. And I don't know if I'll need any more, but we'll see once Paul and I start kicking off the, the daily thing if uh, we're going to get some more lights just to make sure everything goes smoothly. But anyways, so this week uh, I was up in Toronto at WPC with uh, with Paul, unfortunately. Now, Paul and Mary Jo and a couple other people. And just <laughs> kind of a one funny thing if you ever want to rib Paul about it. So Paul and I were trying to hail a taxi. Uh, so we went to the front of the hotel. And even though we we're in Canada, they still loved American dollars, probably because they were worth more than Canadian dollars at the time. And so I gave Paul a dollar and he had a dollar and he was, we were going to walk up to the guy hailing a cab or the, the, the bellman hailing a cab and the guy walked away. And so Paul and I were like, well, I guess we're going to go to the street. And then Paul said, well, the good thing is at least I made a dollar and he took my dollar and just shoved it into his pocket. And so Paul owes me a dollar. Um, if you ever want to remind him of that, please do because he still owes me a dollar. Uh, so what else went on? Um, Paul also loves trains, by the way. Our hotel was actually fantastic, and right on the other side of it was a train station, and there were several times I turned around and Paul was just like, you know the Windows 10 commercial where there's that little toddler and his face is against the glass, and he's just like in awe, just looking inside? That was Paul looking at every time a train went by, which happened frequently because we were right next to a train station, and I lost him many a times, and yeah. So that was Toronto, kind of the stuff that was going on, but Paul loves trains, has my dollar. Uh, other studio stuff this week, so last week I showed off a new camera, the Canon XA35. I'm not quite sure if we're going to be using it or not. It's Right now we're using the I'm using Logitech C920, and here's a couple reasons why. I use XSplit for all the kind of camera angles and whatnot, and Skype, I know this is going to be a big surprise, getting the Canon camera into working with Skype and XSplit has been a huge pain in the butt. And if we're doing this every day, there needs to be some sort of form of simplicity and just speed to it. And I'm, I'm running into some struggles. I can get it to work, but it requires a lot of hoops. And then the other side is Paul has to do this all, and then we have to get everything to marry up. So we might start simply with the camera. I mean, you can actually see it. It's on the in the box back behind me. I'm not sure if I'm returning it yet. Uh, we can always buy another one later, but the lighting makes a big difference. The audio quality, order new mics, um, and we also have these guys. 
the Sennheisers, which are wireless mics that we can use that are fantastic. And yeah, so there we go. That's kind of what's going on. Um, other things that happened in Toronto, and then we'll kind of kick it off into the news here. So I got to actually meet up with Donna. I actually talked quite a bit with her. And um, I actually got to meet with Brian Roper as well. And so I got to give a shout out to Donna. I told her I would. Uh, she hooked me up with her mentor had a shirt. Um, do epic shit. So, yeah. I've got that shirt from her. And I told her I'd give a shout out on the podcast. I was actually from her mentor, James. And great people. And so after meeting with Donna... It's become abundantly clear that she is extremely, not that I ever questioned her credentials, but she's extremely smart and very passionate. And I, I feel much more confident about her running everything. I really do. Um, she talked about she went to the University of Michigan. Uh, she does extremely heavy background in programming, which is, I think, essential for that role. So she's not just a, a, a person on a podium, per se. I mean, she's really deep into this. And... I know some people get a little bit turned off because she's very flashy on camera, but I think that's just her personality, and it's not a bad thing. I, I, I'm growing more into it, and I, I can tell you walking away, having talked with her, we probably talked for at least a half hour straight, is that she understands this role, she understands what the insiders want, and she's she's genuinely in this with all of her heart. And I think that's all we can really ask for, and so that was great. I also met Brian Roper. Uh, if you're not familiar with Brian, he is an onstage um, personality and again another smart very smart individuals <laughs> changes his shoes up very frequently always wears a hat on stage at WPC I got to hang out with him for a little bit we've I've chatted with him for years uh, over over Twitter and whatnot and so it's finally nice to kind of meet some of these Microsoft people that you see on camera and they're you know they're kind of the front people so that was WPC like behind the scenes oh at the meetup I also met a bunch of you who are listening today and I really appreciate it I actually got some great feedback that I'm going to try to implement here over the next couple of shows. We're going to start with something new at the end. Uh, feedback from Mr. David Cross after last week's show. So we will end the show with that. But, you know, we're just growing up here. We're, we're making things better. So, here we go. Let's kick it off. So Microsoft said this week that the new Outlook.com rollout will be complete by, and I quote, by the end of the summer at the latest. Oh, um... I'm still team old blue. That's where I wore the blue shirt today. I'm still, although it's a little bit lighter than what is in the Outlook.com, I still do not have it. And I, I have no idea if there's any truth to this rumor. I had heard uh, near the beginning that if you had a, a Windows phone, you know, a Windows phone linked to your Outlook.com account, that it kind of pushed you back further in the queue. I have no idea if there's any relevance to that, but I have about 900 phones, Windows phones linked to my MSA account. <laughs> so I... I, I can't speak to the validity of it, but it's like, hey, maybe that conspiracy theory or whatever it is maybe has a little bit weight to it. But I'm still the old one. Uh, spam has been kind of fluctuating again, which makes me a little bit nervous. So I don't know. Um, yeah, Mahidi's writing in the comments that he has uh, Windows phones and that he now has the new theme. Although I will say he's not in the U.S. I have no idea if that makes a difference as well. I don't know. Anybody got any insight into that? I'd love it. I'd love to get the new setup, but we're still team old blue, rocking that. Uh, Microsoft also announced this week, I believe this is the first one, uh, the first limited edition Gears of War Xbox One S. So what's the the first one I'm meaning, that this is the first Xbox One S that is a limited edition. So that is coming out. If you're a Gears of War fan, I played the crap out of the first one. A little bit of the second one, I barely touched the third. So I'm... 
I'm a little bit up in, up in the air about whether or not I'm going to be buying Gears of War 4. I'm really tossed between Gears of War 4, the new Call of Duty. I don't care about the, like, the new Call of Duty. I want that, uh, the retro pack or whatever the hell they're calling it, of the old Call of Duties. That's all I want. Of course, they're not selling that separate, Savages, uh, because they want me to pay up uh, an astronomical amount of money to play games I've already purchased at some point in previous time. But anyways, limited edition Gears of War uh, Xbox One S coming hot and heavy. Remastered, there's the word. Thank you, Eric, and sub, sub, Subzadox. Thank you. Remastered edition. Getting us to pay money for stuff we've already done. So let's go down the sad path here for a second. This is the... this. What I'm about to say next is the ongoing thorn in Microsoft's side. So Microsoft... Um, officially began cutting OneDrive users free storage from 15 gigs down to 5. So this problem has been a I really think they took too long to do this. Like they announced everything, they should have given everyone like 6 weeks and then done it. Uh you know, said 6 weeks, here we go. We're going to cut and then 6 weeks later, done it. But here we are many many months later and Microsoft's screw up of the OneDrive storage, you know, the unlimited storage at one point. Uh, is now coming back to bite them again, and there was just another wave of press write-ups of all the stuff that Microsoft has screwed up from this, and they need to just, they need to be more efficient when they screw up, because this is a lingering problem that is once again a black mark on the eye of OneDrive, which has had its fair share of issues. I still have some syncing problems sometimes, but it's it's good it's good enough that I'm not leaving it. Um, although Dropbox now has placeholders. I, I did ask Donna about cloud files, um, on Windows 10, which I am of the firm conviction that those are the placeholders for OneDrive, and she just gave a little smirk and just said, I can't comment on that stuff, and I said, oh, you could. Um, I, I tried to give her some more rosé, and, and she was not, um, she held strong, so anybody from the PR side listening, Donna did a great job of not uh, squealing or giving away anything. Um, I did try to get her to say RTM, and she would not, so we got that. Uh, but anyways, OneDrive storage screwed up. Whatever. Um, yeah, if you've got if you've gotten that notification, get your start cutting. I don't know what I, either that or buy Office 365, which most people have, but I obviously know that not everybody has, and not everybody really needs it. It's not an essential thing. Um, other bad things in the world of Microsoft. I'm not trying to be too cynical here, but you just got to keep it keep it level. Uh, so my Xbox Play Anywhere, Microsoft coyly or whatever you want to call it changed um changed the wording so it was initially in their post xbox play anywhere it says every new title published from microsoft studio will support xbox play anywhere two xbox every new title published from microsoft studios that we showed on stage at e3 this year will support xbox play anywhere so obviously the subtle difference is that every xbox one game from the xbox studios will support it to only those shown on stage and so I think they did this to kind of like cover their butt, um, because obviously when you say everything, that means there's everybody's like expecting every single thing because that's what you said. And so now they're you know they're kind of running back in time and saying, oh, we only mean the stuff we showed on stage. And that's kind of disheartening because I think Xbox Play Anywhere is a great feature. I, I really like it. You buy once, play it anywhere, and and run with it. And so the, now that they're kind of backtracking from this is. Like, I was really hopeful that Xbox Play Anywhere was going to be, like, the next big differentiator for uh, Microsoft. But 
yeah we'll see what happens we'll see i'm optimistic enough to believe that the larger titles that come out will be xbox play anywhere but if they come out with like a smaller game or something just kind of materializes that only works on the pc or on the xbox out of the studios that it may not be play anywhere but i would hope that any of like the triple a titles are still going to be xbox play anywhere so that was just kind of one caveat so here's something that kind of blew up in the press, and I think it was completely overdone because it was already pretty much known. So the Xbox Elite, or Xbox, HP Elite X3 will be available in the pre-order for the UK for about 680 pounds, British pounds, um, which conversion is about 900 USD, and that does come, I believe, with a dock. So we knew from the get-go these phones were going to be expensive. They have everything. They, they allow app virtualization. They're continuum. They have the highest-end specs. Um, they're business focused. Remember, these are not consumer devices. And so we knew that they were going to be a premium. Uh, HP is not playing a margin or a, a market share game here. They're playing a margins game. They know they need to make a decent amount of money on each phone. And that's why they're also targeting the business and not the consumer. So people were like, oh my God, this is so expensive. Like, this is nothing new for people. We knew this. And this is what was expected. Because think about it. This device can replace a laptop and a phone. And potentially a tablet if Microsoft made the correct peripheral. And so at a thousand bucks, let's just say twelve hundred with a monitor, that is still significantly less than a smartphone and a laptop that you would provision an employee with. So, yeah, I, I'm not too surprised with this pricing. I thought it was going to be a thousand bucks for the phone and a dock, but so nine hundred. You know, that's not too bad. Although I, I suspect that we'll see what currency fluctuations to see if the 900 holds true. But yeah, it's, it, I don't know. That's just kind of what it is. And other things on the side of the Windows Phone world. So this is really interesting to me, actually. Lenovo announced a new Windows 10 phone. And it's not even called the Lenovo anything. It's called the SoftBank 503LV. And this is coming from Microsoft Japan. It's a continuum-capable device, 1.5 gigahertz Snapdragon, uh, Snapdragon 617 processor, 3 gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of storage, expandable via microSD, 5-inch 720p display. But the cameras are, rear cameras, 8 megapixel, and that's kind of ho-hum these days, and... Uh, 5 megapixel front facing. So, interesting. It, it's actually, um, yeah, that, that's actually a pretty interesting thing to me, mostly because everybody assumes that Windows Phone is dead, and here we have two devices that are coming on the market. I don't think this is going to save anything or the like, but if one of these devices catches fire, then it's a big win for Microsoft. We'll see what happens. This is, I believe, a Japanese-only phone. And who knows? I mean, Lenovo's given it a shot here, and this is one of their first phones in a while, I believe. They've announced their ambitions to come to Windows Phone Market for a while. And so now we finally have one. So we will see what this really becomes. I think it'll be a low-volume device, as with other most Windows Phone devices. But who knows? Maybe people apparently will get sick of Android or an iOS in Japan and want something uh, different. I don't know. I don't make the rules. I just watch them what happens. Ooh, so other things. So there was actually a lot that went on at WPC uh, from the consumer side and from um, consumer side and enterprise. I lost that wording for a second. And so one of the things that Microsoft announced this week, which is kind of more on the consumer side, but also dropped during the show, 
uh, is that Skype is coming to Linux via a WebRTC client. Now, I thought at first this was just like a true web wrapper, but I don't believe, I think it's actually a little bit more than that, but still. So the idea here is that Microsoft is gonna deprecate the old Linux Skype client and the new client will allow uh, just modern features and hopefully allow them to update it quite a bit faster. And so if you're a Linux user, hey, you can kind of get this now. Now, a couple caveats, it is an alpha. It's not even a beta. They're calling it alpha, which I'm guessing means that it's gonna be pretty rocky around the, the edges or even in the center core possibly. Um, and they're not deprecating the old client yet. They gotta wait until this new one is fully functional and has all the features and I would expect relatively rapid updates. I'll be curious to see the, the pickup rate of it. Um, I don't know how many people on Skype or how many people on Linux actually use Skype. It kind of seems backwards that if you're on Linux, you're using Skype, because um, then why not just use Windows? But whatever, it's a free uh, chat client. It's available to those who are using Linux. Other things that Microsoft announced this week. So people kind of went crazy over the headline that a lot of people wrote, uh, Microsoft announces Surface as a service. Now, this is not what people were coming to the websites. I just watched the traffic when a lot of this stuff went out. And really, this is what for Microsoft called their partner solution services. And it allows them to sell services as a service and bundle them in with other things. This is this is corporate stuff. Um, Microsoft, I don't for some for I don't see them going to that model for the consumer world. It doesn't quite make sense yet. I, I think we might eventually get there. But Surface as a service, um, the big thing that actually came out of this, the Surface as a service, is IBM. IBM is now going to start selling and developing solutions around the Surface. Now, what's interesting about this is there was a big hoopla about IBM selling Apple products, uh, iPads and, and the like. And so now IBM all of a sudden is jumping in the Microsoft bandwagon. So a couple things. I don't necessarily think that means that the Apple route is going south. Uh, I think it's just an adoption of the IBM strategy at this point. But hey, they're selling Surface. IBM is known in the business world, um, although they've struggled a bit lately, but they're, they're still a huge company. Don't get me wrong. IBM's still doing relatively okay. Uh, they're just a beast from yesterday. But they're now working on the Surface model as well. So we'll be curious to see if there's any uptake uh, or further expansion of the service or Surface line uh, in terms of productivity and revenue. We'll see. I think uh, this is a big, a big win for Microsoft. At least their products are now alongside Apple and whatnot inside. Other things announced this week. Uh, Silicon Valley darling, Facebook moves to Office 365. Now this is, so this is a win uh, for Microsoft, but it's not as big of a win as it made it seem. So Microsoft put out the, the headline, Facebook moves to Office 365 or something very close to that. And people are like, oh my God, were they using Google Apps? Uh, no, they weren't. They were just using on-prem Office uh, versions, but they are moving to Office 365 and not going to Google Docs or any of the third-party services. But really, I think that what, is the bigger win out of this. Obviously, the revenue is great for Microsoft, but really, Facebook is kind of like that century, I'll use a Google term here, the, the nougat center of Silicon Valley, right? They're the, they're the darling of Silicon Valley. They came there, um, grew extremely quickly into a billion-dollar valuation, completely took over a market, and own the social segment. And so they're using Office. And what they're saying, and actually their CI or CTO was on stage and said, hey, Microsoft's cool again. Um, yeah, so whatever, Microsoft Cooligan kind of was like shocking. It's like, really? I think if you would have been watching along, although 
I'll get to that in a second. But anyways, this shows that startup world um, and the Silicon Valley world is finally embracing Microsoft. Uh, Silicon Valley has been extremely known for being anti-Microsoft, mostly because they were anti-competitive for a while and they dominated the market. But now that Microsoft has repositioned itself, um, there's Google and there's Facebook and there's the Amazons of the world. Microsoft isn't necessarily seen as a big, bad entity any longer. And with Facebook moving to Office, it says, hey, other Silicon Valley companies, it's okay to play with Microsoft. So we'll see if this is kind of like the cracking of that nut in that region. But um, yeah, so they weren't on Google Docs, which is what a lot of people are like, oh my God, if they're leaving that, that's huge. But no, they just went from on-prem Office to Office 365. Other things that announced, not directly announced, related to uh, WPC, but Microsoft announced this week that they won an appeal to hand over, or they won the appeal and they no longer have to hand over data stored in Ireland. This is a massive win, not just for Microsoft. Microsoft had a lot of companies backing it, like Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, everybody. Anybody who has a data center was essentially siding with Microsoft on this. And so the, the short of it is Microsoft had uh, access, or Microsoft has a data center in Ireland. A client was storing emails on that server that are related to a narcotics case in the US. And the US government went to Microsoft and said, hey, give us the emails that are stored on your Irish data center. And initially, they lost the court battle and they were told to turn it over and they were held in contempt of court for not doing so. They won an appeal and the appeal said, hey, Microsoft doesn't actually have to do that. It's the client who is storing the content on that data center, not Microsoft. So they don't actually have to abide by this. And this is a big news. For the simple fact of Microsoft can now go to international clients, and this this is the same for Amazon and everybody else, they can go to these international companies and say, hey, look, you can keep your data on our servers and it's out of the reach of the U.S. government. As long as it's not on a U.S. data center, then you own the data. Or the data, I should say, is in compliance with the local regulations. Now, if Ireland went to Microsoft and said, hey, turn it over, um, then I believe that they would have to. But at this point... This is a big win because there are a lot of European companies who didn't want to use Azure because if they had sensitive data, let's say, on a, on a database in France, they didn't want the U.S. government being able to have complete access to it. So this is really big stuff for the cloud world. And good job for Microsoft for putting up the fight. Brad Smith, I think, was leading the charge at the company, and they finally prevailed. Uh, excellent stuff. This is phenomenal for really not just consumers, but also I think consumers as well. Anybody who's listening who's outside the U.S., I think this is a good win for you all as well. It keeps, you know, my government, our government, the U.S. government out of the paws of your data that's stored not on this soil, which I firmly believe it should be. I mean, yeah, I think we've hit it home. So good job, Microsoft there. Uh, other things that are going on. So announced at WPC this week, Microsoft is changing the battle plan for Azure Stack. And so this is actually a really a really interesting thing for me. So Azure Stack was initially a way to provision your own database. So you have a database, uh, a large, not even database, data center, sorry. If, you ha- if you're a larger company of a large data center, you can, th- the idea was that you could take some of the features from Azure, you know, the big cloud blobs, and deploy it in your own data center. And that's what was initially announced. And everyone's like, great, we have these huge data centers. We have geo-replication. We're gonna get to use some of Azure's awesome stuff. And then Microsoft pulled a Microsoft. And so they changed the game. So Azure Stack is now only going to work with certified hardware from Lenovo, HP, and Dell initially. So what what this means is that if you want to use Azure Stack, you have to buy new hardware from these guys. And Microsoft is putting it behind the baloney that, hey, we'll control the hardware, um, strict hardware requirements. 
and software requirements and uh, throughput requirements and that they that way they can guarantee the Azure stack is like the Azure experience but that's crap guys you guys just pulled the rug out from people who are really excited about this and the thing that's great about Azure stack is that for clients that deploy it they can then go to up to Azure the proper Azure seamlessly and so I, I think they're kind of doing themselves a disservice here that they were going to have all these little baby Azures out in the world. And now they're kind of hindering that. So I bet it's going to be years before because you got to buy new hardware for this stuff. And, and server racks are not cheap, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And not to mention you need to be a large company. I mean, it's going to be millions of dollars to be able to deploy Azure Stack. And maybe that's what Dell, HP, and Lenovo went to them and said, hey, give us a bone. We're not selling hardware. Uh, give us, you know, give us a new reason. I don't know. I think this is a disservice. Microsoft pulled the rug out on what I loved about Azure Stack because here's the thing. If you're using Azure Stack, you can use Azure as a proper disaster recovery scenario much easier than you can now. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they ever go back on that. Um, but anyways, that's the big changes with Azure Stack that they just kind of coyly pushed out. So here we go. Uh, other than, so this this was kind of a dumpster fire of headlines for some, you know the publications out there that just love to just poop all over Microsoft. It doesn't matter what it is. They will find a reason uh, to just completely slant the news just like 5% to, <laughs> just like 5% to sell an agenda. So Microsoft announced this week that uh, Enterprise Windows 10 subscription, uh, so this is the E3, this is the lowest level of the Windows Enterprise 10 subscription. This is not consumer. It will start at $7 a month, I believe September 1st. That is their model for the enterprise only. Enterprise only? Did I say enterprise only for this? And really what this is, is actually a benefit. And I'll get to that in a second. But what um, some not so honest people wrote was that Microsoft announces Windows 10 will start at $7 a month. That's not true. The consumer is not impacted by this in any way, shape or form realistically the people that are impacted by this are already paying a subscription to microsoft it's called software assurance now granted if it's not perfect software assurance is not perfect example here but they're already paying a perpetual fee uh for microsoft software and the difference here is that microsoft is now allowing you to do it at seven dollars per seat uh actually i should say per user or whatever same thing for windows enterprise uh windows 10. Now, the cool thing about this is actually because it's not a device license, it's a user license, that user can actually use it on five different machines. That's actually not a bad deal. Um, and for enterprise companies, this is kind of like the norm. This has been expected. And it's probably going to be, in my opinion, actually an easier thing because it's going to be, they no longer have to do device audits. If you've ever been in an enterprise, we actually have to go around and count how many devices are licensed. Holy crap, you just want to shoot your head off. Uh, so this is a per user at $7 a month. So what that's $84 a year. And it's, I think it's priced about right. So the interesting thing about this is people obviously said, and this is where some of these unhappy people in the Microsoft world went said, well, here's the beginning of the end. I am of the personal belief that Microsoft will never make anybody who's outright bought a license of Windows 10 jump to a subscription fee. And I'm, I'm going to write something about this up here, maybe next week or the week after, about how I think Microsoft will eventually go to potentially. I don't have any insider information. I'm thinking about how Microsoft could potentially go to a software as a service model for Windows 10 on the desktop. But I'm of the firm conviction that 
if you own Windows 10 right now, you will not be transitioned into a uh, software as a service model and that you own the license outright and that's it. So that is Windows 10, what is going on um, you know, in the enterprise space. So there we go. So what else is going on in the world of Windows 10? So this is a big week, guys. This is I, I kind of been tweeting about this and things that are going on. And so I had heard, and I've, I haven't heard anything yet, it's still early there, that today today was the day that they were going to pick a build for sign-off. And so obviously that's not guaranteed. Um, this was just a, a deadline on a calendar. But be on the lookout. I, we are like in, not even like rounding third and heading to home, we are like like sliding into home right now. And so we are very close today uh, to to having the final build signed off. And so the big question is, what's the build number? I think 14,400 would be a nice round number, and Microsoft could artificially jump to do whatever they need to do. Uh, I think they're around 1390, 1391 have been floating around internally. And so they can just, I mean, build numbers are artificial. They can jump to whatever. Um, so be on the lookout to see if that is actually coming today. I'll be curious. And I don't know... I asked Donna, like, hey, are you guys going to announce this stuff? And she's like, well, I mean, they will to an extent. It's coming August 2nd. They need some time to fully get it loaded and get everything set up. But Windows 10 anniversary update RTM should be happening any minute now. Any minute now. So if you hear anything, make sure to let me know. Uh, one other Windows 10 thing this week, and this came again from WPC, is Microsoft commissioned a study by Forrester that claims uh, businesses will save $400 per employee over the first three years by moving to Windows 10. Now this was a productivity thing, this was a licensing thing, this was a complete ecosystem, but uh, so there you go. If you're a company that's thinking about moving to Windows 10, Microsoft is saying, or I should say Forrester is saying, now it is a Microsoft Commission study, that you will save 400 bucks per employee over three years, which is a pretty substantial amount. So we'll see, what is that, like 90 bucks a year? No. No, I can't do math. It's like, what, 133 a year-ish? So we will see. We will see what happens there. And so the new thing that I'm going to start doing, um, at least trying to do every week, and I will need everyone who's listening help, and I will try to give you the credit that I can, is, and this is actually started up from a Windows Weekly thing, so I'll give credit to Mary Jo for this, uh, but it actually came from David Cross. He made the suggestion to do an insider tip of the week. And so this is just going to kind of be like a fun thing. Um, obviously, the hardcore people may not always need this tip, uh, but it's especially for those who are just diving into insider programming and anything else. But this week's insider tip of the week is you need to think long and hard about if you want to stay in the insider builds. Uh, once with the RTM build is pushed out, that is a fantastic time to transition out of the fast ring if you have a device that you don't want if you don't want to be on that ring. The reason I say that is if you get if you take the in the final release and then they push out another build to go back out of the insider ring, you're gonna have to go down or you're gonna have to uh, go back a build and it's it's not a fun process. Um, it, it's not entirely painful, but now is a great time if you have a machine on the fast ring or the slow ring and you said, hey, you know what? This isn't quite for me. I'm going to jump out. Now's the time to do that. So be thinking about it. Uh, you've probably got give or take about a week or so to get your ducks in a row if this is going to be your thing. Uh, and then you'll probably, I would imagine, have at least a week timeline and that. And one final note here, somebody asked, they said, what happens if they sign off and find bugs? So don't be surprised if the update comes out on August 2nd, and then there's already a cumulative update. Because you gotta remember, 
uh, let's just say they sign off today. Let's say they sign off today. They will have roughly 17 days between now and uh, August 2nd when they release it to everybody. They're not just going to sit around and do nothing. So what we would see then is that the build goes out. Let's just say it's 14,400, 14,440, or 14,400, I think is the proper way to say that. And we go from there, and then they push out a cumulative update, and we're done. So I think that's I think that's the way to do it. So I thank everybody for listening this week. It's been another great episode. If you have a good insider tip of the week, uh, blast it to me on Twitter. Um, once the Therat... Uh, premium forums are all up and running then we will probably start aggregating some of the show notes and content into there but we should have some good stuff coming for threat premium soon i think um, i don't want to give dates but we're getting there and we're making good progress and and we owe it to everybody else to provide an update which we will do here in the near future so thanks everybody appreciate everybody watching have a great weekend and catch you next week